This is the Reformed Ish Podcast. My name is Kevin Kim, and I'm here with my co host Chuck. And we're here to talk about the gospel, the Reformed Christian life, and everything in between. Friends, welcome to episode number zero. Yes, you heard that right. Episode zero. Welcome to the beginning of our humble podcast. This is the episode where we will try to convince you to listen to our voices for four more episodes, hopefully. And thus, it only seems right to do a little round of introductions. Chuck, do you, do you want to get us started? Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your testimony, and we can even talk a little bit about how we met. Yeah, yeah, we can get into that. So, yeah, my name, my name is Charles. I go by Chuck or Charles. Uh, I grew up uh, most of my sort of youth in in L.A. Uh, I was born in Korea. I, you know, our parents immigrated uh, to to the United States when I was around four or five, where I, again, stayed in L.A. for, you know, elementary, junior high, and uh, high school. So I met the Lord when I was very young. I would say, geez, I think maybe age six or seven. Uh, my dad is a pastor who uh, started a church plant in Southern California, uh, where he was there for 15 years. So a lot of my sort of childhood growing up all the way to high school was colored by that ministry. Uh, it was a small church. Um, so a lot of the sort of my involvement, you know, after, after school was, was going to church, you know, huh. setting up chairs, uh, playing the piano, uh, and just much of my life outside of, of work was, was, was doing ministry with my dad and my mom. So did, did you always feel like you were a Christian since you were young? Yeah. So I think I was convicted of my sins at an early age. I felt like I was a sinner, um, but I didn't know, I didn't have the right categories to think through all of that. But, you know, you know, but again, like, you know, I was, I was discipled mainly by my dad. Uh, He's the one who taught me how to read the Bible and how to think like that. And then, you know, when I left, I I moved to, to California, to, from California to New York. This is where Kevin and I had met. Uh, And um, that, you know, that's where a lot of my sort of maturity of, of reading the word, my, the, uh, my theological conviction started to develop. I was listening to John Piper sermons for the first time. All this reformed theology uh, started to sort of take place and take root in my heart during that time. That's when it infiltrated. That's right. So I, I can share a little bit about my growing up. Um, I grew up in a non-Christian home. I also moved here from Korea when I was very young to Northern California, not Southern California like yourself. Southern That's California be- is better. I, 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 <laughs> up for debate. But I, I think for myself, I, I was relatively happy and content. Uh, my my parents were good parents, and they really invested a lot in, in my education and uh, and growing up. But we always had a lot of issues, I think, just as a family. Uh, and even personally, growing up, I felt really discontent with the type of lifestyle I was leading. You know, everything was oriented, goal-oriented, ultimately towards the American dream. And I felt, uh, I think I went through an existential crisis sometime around late high school uh, when I kind of came, started coming to an end of myself when I realized, wow, like everything that I'm working so hard for, uh, all the things that I want in this life, they're not going to follow me after I'm dead. You know, I can't take my education. I can't take the money or whatever I'm able to achieve in this world uh, after I'm dead. Why are we working so hard for this endless rat race? And I kind of just shoved that feeling away. Um, it was really my freshman year of college. This is around the time we met. That's right. Chuck, yeah. Uh, my roommate, uh, providentially the Lord sent uh, a Christian roommate, goody two-shoes Dave, uh, who had grown up in the church. 
and started really witnessing to me. Um, and it, it was through his relationship and friendship that I got connected to the church there and got involved in a evangelistic small group where I read The Reason for God by Tim Keller for the first time. And that's when I intellectually engaged with Christianity uh, for the first time in my life. And I that was when it was so eye-opening because I didn't realize you could engage intellectually with religion. Would you say then. that you were saved then too? Or was think, it just knowledge? I think it was. Uh, I think that was like the foot in the door, and it was sometime by the end of freshman year, probably second semester freshman year. I had a very pretty radical conversion. I don't mm. know if you remember that. Chuck, yeah, but. I mean, we we got to know each other maybe towards the latter half of freshman year. Yeah, um, but yeah, my but reputation distinct- preceded me. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do distinctly remember seeing you at church. You getting more involved at church, and uh, and start and and, that, and sort of asking the kind of questions maybe you, you didn't have before. Yeah. Um, and then I think you and I started becoming friends, maybe I think sophomore year, spending more time primarily through the church context. Yeah. And then just skip, you know, and then all throughout, we were in the same small group. Um, and then we were roommates at the end of senior year or the senior year. And, uh, and now we sort of all moved over to Washington, D.C. Kevin and I are members here at Capital Baptist Church. And not only are we best friends, we're also both pursuing pastoral ministry. And uh, uh, currently are in the process of getting our MDiv degrees at, at Southern Seminary. Okay, so that's a little background. Ch- Chuck, what do you do for your day job now? Throughout the day, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, in the daytime, I work for a tech startup called Mapbox. So, so you're the CEO? I, I, no, I'm not the CEO. Uh, I, <laughs> I work for them. I've been working for them for two years. Yeah, you're about to take them over. <laughs> Kevin, how about you? <laughs> uh, I work for a big tech company. I'm an engineer there in the, in the cloud industry as a um, as a client facing engineer, and so uh, I think you know now that you've gotten to know us a little bit, um, the natural question I think a lot of listeners are going to have have is why are we starting this podcast? I'm sure people are wondering, aren't there enough Christian podcasts out there? There's tons of things if you if you search through the the podcast channel on Apple or Android. Uh, there's people out there who are, who are making content talking about Christian living and, and theology, why us? Why Aren't we just two wannabe theologians? No, no, that's a good question. Um, I, I think there's a real need out there for a serious Christian podcast that combines thought-provoking conversations along with biblical answers for real-world situations. So I think if you look at sort of the spectrum right now, it, it runs heavy on either podcasts for pastors or theologians yeah. on, on one side. And then I think on the other side is what we call sort of these Christian living podcasts that are often, I think, if I'm being honest, just not deep, not that useful, maybe a little corny. <laughs> um, and, and, and a bunch of them actually are, my, are heretical. They're, I mean, they're yeah, saying like the wrong the, things. The Oprah ones or mm-hmm. the Rob Bell type things. Yeah, because yeah. what they're doing is they're teaching you about, hey, let's, let's have a positive, encouraging mindset without talking a lot about Jesus and the Bible. And Chuck, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, there's this chasm out there, and there's nothing quite in the middle. Uh, there's nothing that really marries sound doctrine and, and practical things that help us live. And so I think uh, on the other hand, you know, there, there's this need in the middle. But uh, furthermore, there's a big issue of conversations lacking in the Reformed world. Uh, that's kind of the the world that we live in, in in Christianity, evangelical Christianity, and I hope that through our podcast we're able to kind of uh, bridge this this gap um, to talk about reform doctrine in our everyday living. Okay, so you now just dropped the word 
reformed. You have to explain what that means for listeners out there who might be less familiar. So in other words, why should we care? And what does it mean to be reformed? Why do we care about reformed theology? That's right. So there's a little bit of controversy over what it actually means to be reformed, right? There's a lot of controversy. Uh, But there's a general consensus that someone who's reformed subscribes to the primary theology uh, of the original reformers from the Reformation, uh, like, you know, Martin Luther, John Calvin. Mm. And so uh, that's why when we talk about someone who's reformed, it's often synonymous with the word Calvinist. Uh, the typical Reformed Christian, I think, if we think about it, is someone who has a big God theology. What does that mean? They believe God's sovereign. So God is in control of every single little aspect of our lives. Um, and so, you know, this person subscribes to five points of Calvinism. Tulip. Tulip. Five solas. And some kind of uh, Reformed confessional creed. You know, I'm, maybe people have heard of the Westminster, Westminster Confession or the London Baptist Confession. Uh, those types of confessions. And ultimately, uh, Reformed Christians trace their church heritage back to the Protestant Reformation. So they, they connect their yeah, current church. No, context. no, that's key because... And that's key that we trace it back to the Reformation because that's exactly where the gospel was re-clarified. It Mm. wasn't discovered, but it was re-clarified. And the fact that that we are saved by faith alone, not by works, Mm -hmm. Ephesians 2.8. Yeah. And so I know technically everyone who calls themselves evangelicals or any Protestant uh, trace themselves back to the Reformation. But I'm really talking about like, really, we need to take really tracing them back to this historic event. So I guess then, then the question is, what's the difference between being reformed and being evangelical? You know, when we, when we trace it back, what is the difference between there? Do you want to just kind of give us a little history lesson there? I'll give a quick one. This one's complicated. <laughs> I like really, really simplify this. Christianity is this giant tree, right? Uh, it splits off at the root two ways, a binary tree. Uh, the, the, the root is the apostolic church. Capital A. Capital A. Yeah. Founded by Jesus and his disciples, the apostles. That's why apostolic. Uh, And there we go down. uh, That's the early church that was established. Thousand some years. Um, This is where we come to the Great Schism. Uh, We might have heard about this in our world history classes. AP Euro. AP Euro. (laughs) Yeah, this is when the Eastern Church broke off from the Western Church. So that's what's known today as the Eastern Orthodox Church or the, the, uh, versus the, uh, the Western Church, which is the Roman Catholic Church. Now, that happens around uh, 1054. Uh, I skip another 500 more years, uh, and you know, we, we go to that Reformation period, and we get to the split between the Roman Catholics and the Protestants. So that's the Protestant Reformation we were talking about earlier, where the gospel was re-clarified. And now, if we want to get to evangelicalism, we, we are coming down the route of Protestantism. We are Protestants, evangelicals. Um, but it's in the late 19th and early 20th century where we get into the split between evangelicals versus Protestant liberals. So the evangelicals are folks who believe in, in the gospel. And, you know, I... I there's a few ways to, I think, just share it. I, I actually, you know, Greg Gilbert's What is the Gospel has been such a good resource for me to mm-hmm. just yeah. share in my evangelism. But the way he describes it is, is, is super clear and succinct. God, man, Christ response. A perfect God sent his son Christ Jesus to die on the cross to offer all those who would call upon his name salvation. 
those who repent and put their trust in Jesus Christ. Mm. And that's what evangelicals believe. Yeah. Protestant liberals are, are what we call, I think, progressives. Right. They think the Bible and Christianity is really good folklore and almost mythology that has sort of been passed through these generations. So, I, you know, put it another way, they think that Jesus' teachings are just merely helpful guides on how to live, but ultimately not good news in the sense of salvation. So they don't really believe in the Bible. No, they think that the Bible has good stuff, but that's kind of it. It, it has no real implications on good the way they live. Good cultural context. Good, yeah, exactly. And so ultimately what that means is they deny God's word. They don't really believe in things like heaven or hell that have eternal consequences. Mm-hmm. And they probably would say that all religions are, are equal. They all, they're all different, but maybe at the same, you know, they're all at the same end. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and so Reformed Christians, if we take the conversation back, are evangelicals. Right, they're they're a subset of evangelicals. They believe the Bible is God's word. Uh, they believe you must trust Christ for salvation alone. Uh, and you know, though, what ends up happening is within evangelicalism, there is uh, a, a basically a two way division uh, in terms of theological views. Um, there's one th- way which is Reformed theology. This is the rift that we see, um, the Calvinists. And the other side is the Arminians, not Armenians, Arminians. <laughs> and the, the, the main disagreement is around the concept of free will. Like, do we have, as a person, uh, as people, do we have a choice when it comes to choosing to believe in God for salvation? Okay, that was helpful. So there's evangelical, sort of the big umbrella. Yeah. Inside that subset is Reformed theology, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and, and there's multiples. There's sort of different strands of it, but that's kind of where we fit into this. Yes, subject. exactly. Okay. So, with that said, you might be thinking, why should we care about Reformed Christianity? And I think a good place to start is, you know, maybe very recent, maybe in the late 2000s, when you and I were both in college, there was this huge explosion of renewed interest in Reformed Christianity. Yeah. I mean, you must remember, I mean, mean, Time Magazine did a piece in 2009 called 10 Ideas Changing the World Right Now about this new Calvinism, which was, you know, dubbed as this young, restless, and reformed. Oh, yeah, I remember it well. Uh, And I remember that particular article. They talked about the reformed pastors. I remember them talking about Mark Driscoll at Mars Hill. Seattle. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. and John Piper at, you know, Bethlehem at the time. And, And they're changing the world through their preaching, was the main thesis of this article, which was astounding for me to read at the time. Yeah, and you and I, you and I can relate to this, because we saw this even play out, I think, even in our own lives during, during our college years at Cornell. Like, everyone, like, everyone was jumping on this reformed bandwagon without really understanding what it means to be reformed. Yeah. You know, you and I were part of it. You and I, we were young, restless, and reformed. I'm still young, restless, and reformed. <laughs> a little older, but still hopefully young. Uh, but, you know, Chuck, I think you point out an interesting uh, issue here. There's a huge problem in that people don't really understand what it means to be reformed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm afraid a lot of people who claim to be even reformed today after, you know, many, uh, o- almost a decade, decade later, uh, haven't really fully immersed themselves from a uh, doctrinal or a historical perspective on understanding what it means to be really reformed. So uh, what I mean by this is they've gotten like bits and pieces of teaching about, you know, like Christian hedonism from John Piper. 
and they've never done kind of the heavy lifting of, of reading through Jonathan Edwards, who's really been instrumental to Piper's theology. Or, or we, we read this book, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church by our pastor, Mark Dever, uh, but we don't really understand that this ecclesiology, this is nothing new. The, the study of the church has been historically rooted in our Reformed church heritage for centuries. It's, been, it's what Christians have been doing for all this time. Yeah, and, and, and so, uh, so that, that's an issue there. And then, then comes a Matt Chandler sermon jam. Which is so good. Though, which are amazing, <laughs> right? The Rose. I don't know if anyone <laughs> knows that YouTube video, but um, look it up afterwards. We, we hear this Matt Chandler sermon jam on YouTube about God's sovereignty, and then suddenly everyone thinks they're a Calvinist. And they don't understand what it, they haven't really fully fleshed out the full implications of what it means for God to be sovereign over their lives. So you're saying that we're this ragtag generation of evangelical Christians who have gotten this mix, hodgepodge of teaching from whichever celebrity Christian pastor was most popular at the time. So it was John Piper, it was John Piper, Matt Chandler, it's Matt Chandler. And that's good. We're getting that information, but we haven't taken the extra step of, of doing the hard work of matching it up with scripture. And our church history. And our church history. And, you know, I think I'm guilty of this too. And maybe we've become sort of this generation of churchgoers who are lazy, you know, who don't care to look beyond our own age and even our own brand of churches and, and slowly have sort of become disconnected from our Reformed Christian heritage. I think you just described millennials in, his, <laughs> in a couple sentences. Yeah, and, and yeah, no, I think that's true. And if I just have a few conversations with just a lot of people, and sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm in, this, in this population where we don't even know what's going on with Christianity in other parts of the world. Hmm. And, you know, and you know, Kevin, it's like the most prideful part of our generation is that like we act as if we discovered this. Like we, we, we found out the five points of Calvinism <laughs> and then now we're going to sort of, we earn this right to have this heated debate with everyone over the doctrines of grace. Yeah. <laughs> and that's hence our podcast, the name of the podcast. I think we are more reformed-ish than truly reformed. Oh, wow. I mean, Chuck, that was a lot, right? That's a lot to chew on. Uh, but I think from our perspective... Uh, the young, restless reforms perspective, we should embrace the name Reformed-ish. Because I think what it, what it means is we finally recognize where we're at, who we are. Uh, to an extent, we've been hugely influenced by the environment that we've grown up in and, and you know, the Reformed resurgence. And we need to admit that we, we've lacked in a lot of areas. We have not connected mm. truly with our Reformed heritage. And so the question now, though, is now that we recognize that we are Reformed-ish, where do we go from here? Yes, and that question is exactly why we started this podcast and, and why, you know, stuff that we want to talk about. It's a good question. It's, it's a question that we want to continue to explore on these other episodes. And as you said, this young, restless, and reformed movement, it's been over a decade. It's been over 10 years since we talked about it and saw that Time Magazine article. Wow. And as young Christians, it's our duty to think through how we will evolve and progress in maturing in our theology and the way we live out that in our lives. What we believe will influence the way we live our lives. Yeah. What does the future hold for the Reformed-ish? 
Folks, thanks so much for joining us for episode number zero, a prologue of sorts for all the fun to come. We hope you enjoyed this episode and some of the discussion we had. See you next week on Reformed-ish.